everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 podcast. This is your host, April Hanna, and it feels good to be back in podcast land. Thanks for bearing with us during this short break that we had to take the path evolution around the United States, and we took a small little break for Thanksgiving holiday, but uh, we are back, and we just have one more announcement that we wanted to share with you to let you know that the Path Evolution is available on Amazon Prime until the end of December, and then you will be able to rent it from our website. And also, if you would like to subscribe to Gaia.com, you will have access to all of our three films there as well. So we're really excited about today's show. We are going to be interviewing Dr. Link, who is a world-renowned neurologist with subspecialties in neuropsychology from Harvard, neurorehabilitation from Cornell, and neuroimmunology from the Karolinska Institute. And she also has a story to tell about her near-death experience, and from there, kind of led her onto this journey of consciousness, and we're also going to be talking about her book, One, A Guide to Enlightenment, and also a documentary that she has out there. So, Dr. Link, welcome to the Path 11 podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here, April. Yes. So, maybe you can start off and letting our listeners know how you got started really in the medical world and, you know, what was your interest in becoming a neurologist? And maybe you can take the listeners up through your story to your near-death experience. Right. I was uh, initially just a medical professional, just like all my colleagues, very skeptic about anything that had to do with spiritualism. And I would hear my patients from time to time describe this experience they had during their near death. And the near death experience became very interesting to me. I knew that my patients were telling me what they experienced, but I didn't know how to interpret it. And of course, I followed the medical literature that expected us to interpret the the near-death experiences as hypoxia to the brain, or as later it was attributed to to the spirit molecule, DMT, and other experiments that have led us to believe that everything comes from the brain. In other words, it is all physical material. Nothing is consciousness or spirit. So, of course, uh, being a scientist, I had to interpret my patients' near death experiences and other information that they gave me uh, in a scientific manner. And although I wanted to interpret and to find out what exactly was going on, I really couldn't. I was limited with the science available to interpret these events. So I had a near-death experience of my own at one point, and after that, I went through all the literature and tried to substantiate the spirit or the consciousness part of our existence. I realized that really we live in this uh, blinded world where we are interpreting everything we know at the tip of the iceberg, we are so sure that we know everything that there is to know, yet we are truly ignorant to the rest of the uh, to the iceberg because most of it we don't know. We don't really know anything about consciousness. Thank goodness there are institutes such as the Virginia 
uh, spirit uh, science and the IONS that have been elucidating a little bit more about spirituality. And we have found recently that, number one, there is global consciousness. In other words, if one part of the world is uh, suffering, it appears that the rest of the world is feeling the same, such as the experiments that were performed at the IONS where they discovered that when Diana's death occurred, the entire globe, the entire Earth, seemed to have synchronized activity that was being picked up by these instruments similar to EEGs placed all over the world. At least now we have more than 70 sites picking up the global consciousness, and it does record appropriately, and this uh, information can be interpreted scientifically and objectively, that there is consciousness. We are all truly connected. When I came across a lot of this information and even more, I was um, researching and collected data to back us up or support the idea that we are truly above and beyond just the physical brain that causes, that we assume causes awareness or consciousness. We are a lot more than that. We are truly global, um, spiritual, spirit consciousness, and we persist and evolve and transform um, as life goes on. We are all truly connected. So that is why I, I came across uh, some of this data and I tried to help my patients during my career, and I discovered that truly discussing spiritualism or living a more spiritual, positive life has incredible outcome on their disease process. It does alleviate their symptoms, and it does cause remission on all their diseases, on diseases. And I found the opposite was also true. In other words, lack of positive a force or energy or spirit caused the detriment to a person's um, disease and illness and ultimate their demise. So more experiments were uh, performed throughout the world. One international study, uh, Dr. Sam Parnia was in charge where more than 2,000 subjects were tested where they had near-death experiences. Some patients who were also monitored with EEGs, they were found to have a flat EEG, dilated pupils, no cognitive um, signs whatsoever, and those patients were pronounced dead and then returned with a near-death experience story that does not at all support the brain is in charge of consciousness. So similar um, experiments that I was able to collect, objective data. I was able to put my book together, hopefully, to bring a little bit more light and to help those who are interested to um, improve our condition on Earth and to help, hopefully, improve our uh, species and the extinction that is imminent if we are, don't evolve as spirits causing a, a spirit uh, evolutionary, evolutionary um, 
transformation for all of us. And would you like to explain the process or what had happened during your near-death experience? Well, yes, of course. It is, I would say, although each and every one of these experiences are similar, yet they all, in a way, differ. They have done studies also throughout the entire uh, culture and as far back as uh, the um, ancient cultures and the, all these uh, near-death experiences that existed from back then. In other words, where a person um, transforms from being a physical existence into a spirit and become, uh, they go into a different uh, realm. So I also when I first of all heard, I knew that I was going to die. And of course, before, as most other people describe, before this experience, I was a, a straight, a different personality than what I was after the event. And that has been recorded. In other words, a transformation of a personality. So before my near-death experience, I was a high-strung personality type A. I believed in in uh, earthly possessions, and um, I was very um, intolerant. I preferred to be. I was a perfectionist. I demanded excellence from myself and from others. Very difficult, of course, to live with. But um, so my uh, dear near experience, just as I was um, wheeled into the emergency room, and before I flatlined. I felt, my goodness, I'm going to die. And I was terrified, of course. But after um, the flatline occurred, and I actually heard that, and I said, oh, my God, I am dying. This is it. I became frantic, and then I uh, was engulfed by this beautiful kaleidoscope of colors that was a sea that I was swimming in, and it and it was going through me. And at that time, I, I at that point, I felt very calm and relaxed. And I felt joy, perhaps for the first time in my life. That was followed by a complete um, awareness of, of who I was. And um, my entire life flashed in front of me. And there was no one there except me. To, I was left alone to judge myself of what I had done or what I should have done and uh, what I did not do during my entire life. And I felt really very disappointed at myself. I was very harsh at judging myself of all the things that I could have done and I didn't do or all the things that I did that uh, could have been uh, prevent or could have been done differently. After that, I lost the awareness of who I was, and I became uh, diffused uh, throughout the entire space. I was it, and it was me. I was huge, enormous, and I had no idea who I was, what I was, or where I was. And then from far away is when I saw this beautiful, sparkling, illuminating light that was coming closer and closer, and I was getting to ultimately being engulfed within this light, I felt the most beautiful peace, harmony, and infinite love that truly does not exist on earth, and it can not be described. I also had uh, these um, communications with the infinite 
and uh, it was not uh, verbal. It was emotional more than anything. And I was um, informed of things. And then ultimately I was informed that I had to return. Of course, I wanted to, I objected emotionally, but I had no choice. And I was, uh, I went back into my body in the most agonizing, um, brutal pain I could imagine because this huge essence that I was went bottled into this tiny little physical condition called body. And it was um, truly um, agonizing pain that I, when they were using the jump, the paddles to jumpstart my heart, I did not feel it. And after that, of course, my personality changed completely. I was a a more uh, peaceful person, more accepting. And I knew that this uh, material possessions on earth mean absolutely nothing. The past was uh, had little significance, as did the future, because we create the future as depending upon what we do at our present. And the past had a purpose to teach us, and not, not much more, not to, to lament over it, but just to accept it and let it be, and to always forgive ourselves for everything, because everything in life has a reason that it occurs, and we just need to take it and uh, learn from it. And the most, and the most important uh, reason that we are on earth is to help each other to um, live until it is time for us to evolve to our next experience, to our next existence, actually. Because we, of course, this is not it. Being alive is just a small um, area of our existence. It is just, it is um, actually part of probably many, many other existences that our spirit will evolve through. So when I returned, I knew that I would have, um, I would be completely transformed. And I knew that the only thing that I could do is to use my profession to help those, uh, those who would be interested in um, transforming themselves and living a more peaceful, harmonious life. Because if each and every one of us did that, then the human condition on earth would improve and our um, our earth might have a chance and the extinction of our species might be avoided. Okay, great. And I'm wondering, I know that when I've done some research on near-death experiences, you always kind of have the other side of the coin of the skeptics that are trying to prove that there is no such thing in science, that this can actually happen. And um, can you share a little bit about what actually happens within the brain or what happened during your experience when you flatlined and um, how you really can prove that this is actually happening 
And like, I'm just curious to know, like what you say to the skeptics that say that this really is impossible and the brain can't do X, Y, and Z and having these, these experience and that they can explain it when you are coming back to life, that that's probably when you are experiencing the things that you're telling about your near death experience story that happens when the brain kind of comes back, um, to life per se. Exactly. So when the brain is able to create thoughts, and uh, of course we can see the brain simply as a television unit, and of course it is absolutely necessary for us to have to be a television unit and to transmit images and sounds, etc. However, the television set would not uh, be able to originate these uh, events. In other words, it needs to have a connection. It needs to have something in order for it to transmit these images and sounds. I believe that the brain is similar in it needs consciousness in order for it to be able to interpret it and emit it. But we know that there have been a, a, uh, either EEGs at one point, or even examinations of patients who have been in the hospital where they had no cortical signs whatsoever. In other words, their eyes were dilated and affixed. So that means that the brain wasn't working. And occasionally there had been EEGs also performed on the patients, and those had bloodlined, and then the patient was pronounced dead. And yet, when they were revived, or there were, they wake up, they were able to recall some of uh, the near-death experiences with great elucidity. In other words, they were able to completely recall things that happened to them, and that would not be possible with a brain that was injured or flatlined. So how could that uh, brain or a TV set that was completely unable to relay any information, have that recall. So yes, I believe that there is a lot more than just the brain being the originator of the, of the um, spirit, of the consciousness. I believe that there is consciousness that utilizes the brain to relay what the spirit is. Great. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for that explanation. Now, um, your book, I had a chance to watch the documentary that you have on YouTube. And um, one of the things that came to mind when I was listening and watching it was that you had said that a lot of people who go through the near-death experience, like you explained, kind of have this connection with the higher consciousness. Um, you know, everybody that I've ever heard reporting on their near-death experience says very much of the similar things that you had said, where there's like this bliss, this feeling of feeling loved and light, and everyone always says you can't put it into words. And in the, in the YouTube documentary, it sounded like that you use the word enlightenment, that people kind of feel and experience that sense of enlightenment, and people who go through the near-death experience are usually changed, like you said um, in your case, the type of personality that you were before and how you feel after having this experience. Um, 
and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but it almost sounded like in the documentary that people, after they have a near-death experience, it's almost like they don't go back to their original selves, that they can always maybe have a sense of more compassion for other human beings, more compassion for being here on Earth, a better understanding of why they are here, and that doesn't really go away. So um, I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit more about how, how is that sustainable for people with near-death experiences? And maybe if I explain this a little bit more, you might be able to help me in understanding it. Because I have personally have had and know people to have had some really extraordinary spiritual experiences, and that experience in that moment in time might have changed me slightly, but then it seems like I'll go about my day or my life, and every now and then may go back to thinking about how profound that spiritual experience was, and then but go back to my normal life again, and don't really I don't really feel like it sustains a lifelong change. Where when I was watching your documentary, it almost felt like if you have that near death experience or you reach that point of enlightenment, that you really do become a totally different person. Yes. Absolutely, April, you're absolutely right. It is a life-transforming event for the individual that has had this experience. And the reason that I wrote the book is that to help those who are interested to also have a similar life transformation. It is, of course, difficult because a person who has had a life-altering event with the near-death experience it is difficult to explain what went on. However, one thing is for sure, and that is we become different because we want to, because we transform ourselves. And to transform the uh, type of person that we are takes effort, a lot of effort. And that is why I put into the book all the type of um, steps that one needs to take. For example, the most important thing is to let go of society's subjugation and to become a more spiritual human being, to live with the principles of being righteous, of having piety and knowing that only the present right here and right now matters and only so helping each other on earth is the most important thing and the greatest the greatest cause we possibly have is to help each other live through this life to know that we are all connected and really nothing else matters other than to have love throughout the entire our entire existence and by having love for ourselves and others we can help the entire earth have infinite love for every spirit existing and therefore all life on earth and the entire um, and our and our global earth our entire earth to save us from all the negative influence and all the detriment that has been caused upon the planet so there I have tried to put how meditation might help us come more in tune to our true essence, which is what we must always be connected with. If we can possibly 
be connected with our through our intuition and to follow our intuition always, then we will have a chance of being transformed to the person that we should be. I believe that that life transformation occurred in most people with near-death experience that was almost a crash course, in a way, to um, enlightenment. But anyone who wishes can also have that transformation. But it's going to take a little bit longer than just the instant that it took for the patients or the people who had that near-death experience. However, it is possible for anyone who wishes. Meditation is a very good way, simply because one becomes at peace with themselves and can listen to their, quote-unquote, inner voice clearly. And then if they follow their intuition or their inner voice, then they will be led properly every time. And that is all that it takes, is just being more in tune with who we really are. So I have um, a question just kind of playing devil's advocate in a sense. Um, and I know that you speak of, of how important it is for us to kind of have this connection with being one with the universe and, you know, trying to overcome all of the things that are happening on earth and trying to improve and evolve the human consciousness. But if we're learning that there really is no such thing as death and, you know, we, we will have the opportunity to kind of keep coming back and keep evolving. Like when you talk about the extinction, what exactly does that mean per se? And if we really have all of this time in the world because consciousness doesn't die, then so what if Earth becomes extinct or, you know, we just, as human beings, we just can't get it right this time around. You know, it, to me, it seems like that there's always going to be a chance because we're energy and we're evolving. So if we don't get it right, well, we'll have an, another opportunity to do that. So why is it so important for us to try to reach this enlightenment, to become better human beings so there isn't this um, extinction that you're talking about? Right. Absolutely. Of course, transformation, spiritual transformation, is absolutely necessary, and it is the next human evolution and, and will take place, of course. And as I said, it's the only way for our species to prevent extinction. And when I say that, I mean our physical existence, our species as humans, in other words, the uh, people on Earth— the um, separated parts, in other words, different countries. We have separated the earth, for goodness sakes, and we own the earth in own parts, and we own the skies, and we own the waters, and now we even own the moon. How is that possible? How can anyone own parts of the, of the earth or the skies or the earth? How is that possible? And how is it possible that we can separate each other? We separate ourselves in countries, in religions, in colors, in who knows what. We are separating we are destroying the essence that gives us as physical beings alive, and that is the earth. We destroy the waters. We try to consume its resources. That is what is causing the physical extinction of us, of our, of our human condition on earth. And that is what we need to prevent. If we become 
transformed, evolve as spirits and become one enlightened human, uh, uh, I should say, not even human, really, spiritual essence, then we can prevent the extinction of our planet, meaning we can prevent the destruction of our earthly home. Because, yes, we need to have an earthly home in order for that phase of ours to exist. Otherwise, the phase of human, of physical, uh, of our human physical body will not be able to exist. Therefore, it is similar to destroying the television set. If we do not have a television set, then our consciousness will not be able to be transmitted. So we destroy our world, then our physical plane will not get a chance to to be expressed. Now, is that the only plane we have? No, I believe that we simply don't know of all the planes that our exist our spirit has to transform, but the physical presence is one of its existence. It is one of the transformations that we need to go through. Being spirits, we probably have more um, universes, quote-unquote, to exist in. Great. Thank you. Thank you for that explanation. Now, um, I had the opportunity, like I said, to watch the documentary on YouTube. Is the book that you wrote similar to the um, information that is in the documentary, or do people get something a little bit different if they were to purchase your book? Oh, yes. The book, of course, has a lot more because it does guide the person to evolve and to achieve enlightenment through meditation, through exercising the intuition and always being able to follow it. And that is what the book is all about. It is a very, very small little handbook. It is like a small manual to guide anyone who wishes to become enlightened. So they, it can be carried in their pocket and referred to periodically. So yes, of course, it has the instructions of how to become enlightened. Great. Thank you. And would you like to let people know where they can find your book and also watch your documentary? Well, yes. The book is uh, sold at Amazon and at Barnes & Nobles. And the documentary right now is on YouTube. And we are hoping to divide it because it is rather lengthy. It is about one hour and 10 minutes. However, we intend to cut it down into smaller portions, so approximately 10 minutes each. So it will be easier to, uh, to be able to look, to be able to uh, go through it and sit and absorb all that it has to say without being tiring. Great. And what, um, what's your YouTube channel handle so people can subscribe and find it easily? Yes, it is under the one, quote-unquote one, a guide to enlightenment, and that is on YouTube. Okay, great. And we will also put those links in our show notes for those listeners who are interested to purchase Dr. Link's book and watch the documentary. I think you all will enjoy it. And we would just like to thank you for coming on our show and speaking about your experience and the work that you're doing in the world to try to raise the level of consciousness for everyone that you come in contact with. So we thank you for your work. Thank you very much, Ava, for inviting me. 
If you'd like more information about our films or to purchase our DVDs, you can head on over to our website at thepastseries.com. They're also available to purchase on amazon.com. Our films are also streaming online at vimeo.com, guymtv.com, and iTunes. If you have a show suggestion or would like us to interview someone specifically, please feel free to shoot us an email at info at com or send us a tweet at the past series. Please rate and review us in iTunes and subscribe. We hope you enjoyed the show. <laughs>